God, I come before you right now for the people of Louisiana. God, there are over a million people who have been affected by this hurricane, who are without electricity, without power, without food. Lord, there's been so many people who have been displaced, people who've had to leave their homes to go to outside states to find shelter, to find aid. And God, right now, we ask in Jesus' name that you would provide for their every need. God, would you hold the waters back? Would you bring restoration? Would you bring healing? Would you bring food? Would you bring medical care? Would you bring the volunteers to help with the cleanup and the rebuild? Lord, but most of all, would you bring Jesus? Spirit, would you just bring your perfect peace to all those in need? And would they have hope? Not just hope for a meal or for shelter, God, but for ultimate hope found only in your son, Jesus. Yeah, we ask that you do only what you can do. Bring hope where there's hopelessness. Bring light where there's darkness. We ask all this in your son's holy and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the True Discipleship Podcast, where we have practical conversations on what it means to be a passionate follower of Jesus. We are so thankful you chose to listen today and hope you gain a fresh perspective. With Jesus at the center, this is a community where everyone is given a seat at the table, a place to dive into scripture, talk, think, explore, and learn what following Christ is all about. Now on to our hosts, Aaron and Morgan Nelson. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode nine of the True Discipleship Podcast. Aaron and Morgan here. I'm Aaron. And I'm Morgan. And uh, man, this is, this is man, we're, we're happy to be back. Super, super excited. Got a lot of things in the works. You I, look like a kid on Christmas morning. I feel so excited. Uh, if you don't know, uh, maybe you noticed because the sound quality is a little bit different, but we have created an in-home studio. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. At one point, we were driving about 45 minutes in both directions to go to a, a different location and record. Shout out to Tato, who has produced the first few episodes for us, and he helped us get things set up here at home so that we don't have to worry about that drive. Uh, he gets to spend evenings with his wife again. It's a it's a win-win-win. But yeah, this is super, super exciting. I do want to take a moment and just uh, apologize if the audio quality isn't 100% up to par yet. Tato has a lot of really expensive equipment, and we have expensive equipment, but not as expensive. <laughs> no, it looks remarkably similar to where we were recording, but... I don't want to know how much Tato's equipment costs. Yeah. And I am satisfied with what we spent on ours. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We, we're going to be able to do some things to kind of enhance this and work on it. And as we kind of learn some DIY editing and all that stuff, we'll be able to, you know, trim the fat, if you will. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But super, super excited about that. Also, another benefit of having your own home studio is that you can re-record episodes when they don't turn out great. Oh, yeah. So if you had heard the episode nine that we originally recorded, uh, I was like super congested. It was actually pretty funny. It was rough. Like... I couldn't imagine being you sitting across from me because at one point I was crying out of one eye um, (laughs) because my head was just so stopped up and uh, the alternative was going to be to take a Benadryl, but then I would have fallen asleep in the middle of the recording of the episode. So round two, episode nine, take two. Yeah. 
think it's gonna be think it's gonna be fun. Also, with us having this at home studio, that does mean um, has some new implications for the show as well. So, uh, stay tuned. Over the next few episodes, we're gonna be breaking some news that I think we're pretty excited about. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to do that. And if not, then oh well, we will leave you hanging forever. But I don't think I know what you're talking about. You, I'm gonna I'm gonna whisper it to you. Everyone's still gonna. Hear it's me. a microphone, so they would still hear. I'll just, I'll just, I'll tell you later. I think I know what you're talking about. You might. Oh, well, we'll all be surprised. There you go. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of being excited about things, um, well, first and foremost, shout out to Diana Teal. She sent in our prayer that opened up this episode. Really appreciate her taking some time to pray for the people of Louisiana. Uh, that is where my side of our family is from. And uh, they're doing well. They're safe. Man, prayers for Louisiana because they are definitely still on the rebound. And it's going to take a while, but... There's a strong group of people down there in, in New Orleans. So. Yeah, and I would say stay tuned to our social media and um, just any future announcements. We love to help people when we can. So if there's an opportunity for us to fundraise or somehow send supplies or even just tell you of places that you can donate to, like organizations and causes that we know of that are already down there on the ground helping out. Um, and if you want to help out, we can point you to a resource. There you go. Point people to resources and point people to Jesus. That's what I call a segue. <laughs> we are going to continue our series on the gospel that we started two weeks ago. And I loved that episode. It was just fun. I love when we can be excited about the gospel, um, which is, yeah, that just was not the tone of the original recording of this because we were both like struck. It was post camp. It was like, yeah, it was just rough. So, uh, but yeah, the gospel is exciting stuff. And so what I realized was in listening back to that episode, I think we did a decent job at talking about how the gospel isn't fair, but I don't know if we spent enough time explaining what the gospel as a whole is. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's very easy for us to fall short or miss the, the mark on what the entire gospel is. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to explain it a little bit more. And again, this is the moment where we hook you in. <laughs> again, if you hear that and you're like, oh, another gospel episode, first of all, check yourself. It's a series. It's so a, stay tuned. And we don't know how long this is going to be. This episode wasn't one of the original planned ones. But after, you know, the episode that came out most recently, um, we were like, man, there's there's some more stuff we got to add. So this could go on for another three weeks. Somebody's live on PlayStation. That's what happens when you when you record stuff from home. You get PlayStation notifications. Um <laughs> Yeah, this series could be just, you know, maybe four weeks long. It could be 40 weeks long. That's a very biblical number. Yeah, some people just turned us off because they're like, I ain't got time for this. Uh, But yeah, we are this week going to be diving into the fact that the gospel, it actually goes a little bit more, a little bit further than the crucifixion and the resurrection. If that sounds intriguing to you, stay tuned. a kid in Sunday school uh, my aunt was my Sunday school teacher which has nothing to do with the like 
point of the story. It's just Well, it helps give some context that there were like four people at your church. <laughs> there were more than four kids in Sunday school. Uh, we had five. And so my aunt would bring uh, red yarn, like maybe once a quarter, at least once a year. And she would have us like tie this yarn around our finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, like not so tight that like your finger would fall off. Like, okay. Good, because that's what I was afraid of. (laughs) It was supposed to serve as a reminder to invite somebody to church the next weekend. But because when you're out of circulation, then you were like, man, the blood, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. No. They should have given you those little flower cookies, the little edible ones. You know what I'm talking about? That would not have lasted long enough. Well, the trick is, is you can't eat the cookie until, because I used to put those on my finger all the time. Did you do that? Did they get stuck? The holes? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But then you had to like eat your way out of it because it got stuck on your finger. That's the reminder. You you can't eat that cookie until you invite a friend to church. I feel like it would disintegrate like very quickly. Probably. Those cookies were trash. (laughs) What? They were not good. You didn't like those cookies? There's no way you actually liked those cookies. Yes. When did you, when, okay. When was the last time you bought those cookies for yourself, your own free will, someone wasn't giving them to you for free? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But the nostalgia of like the Sunday school cookie. Like, no. I can't buy them because I'm not in Sunday school anymore. You can't buy them because they probably stopped making them because the FDA shut that thing down. I guarantee you, I'm going to call my aunt. She probably still buys those cookies. Probably still has her original ones. She's going to be deeply offended that you are trashing the cookies that she serves to her Sunday school children. No one likes those. They do. We are going to poll our listeners and see how many of them are on my side. Because there's no way. They're all going to be on my side. Okay. So the red string. The red string was to remind us to invite a friend to church the next weekend. Mm -hmm. And most likely that next weekend, there was going to be a message on the gospel. Because if you have one chance to bring somebody in to church that's like never been to church, you want to tell them like the thing. So they would come in and they would hear the gospel message and they would most likely hear John 3.16. Yeah, that makes sense. So I memorized my books of the Bible. I may have since forgotten all of them, but I had them memorized at one point. It's it's like when you're in school and your teacher is like, you got to learn math because you're not going to have a calculator on you every day. And then like now we all have calculators on our phones in our pockets. It's the same thing. Like memorize the books of the Bible. And you're like, but there's the Bible app. And I have the table of contents and all that. I'm just kidding. Memorize the books of the Bible. It's a good place to start. It's a really good place to start because I had the books of the Bible memorized and I knew John 3.16. For the longest time, I thought John 3.16 was in the Old Testament. <laughs> But we're going to take a little look. That's amazing. We're going to take a look at the Bible. We're going to talk about the Bible really yeah. really quick. Yeah. And we're going to tell you that John 3.16 is not in the Old Testament. It is not. John 3.16 is in the New Testament for those of you keeping score at home. The ones that get me crossed up are Chronicles and Corinthians. Oh. I always think Corinthians is in the Old Testament because I get it mixed up with Chronicles. Chron- yeah. Yes. But no, this is important. I think you just brought up a key thing because I think a lot of times when people think of the gospel, they think, for God so loved the world that... God, that he gave his only son. There we go. That he gave his one and only son. Therefore, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's the verse that gets plastered around everywhere. Forever 21 has it on their bags. And But I think what, what happens when you only get John 3.16 and 
you present that message to someone who's never heard the gospel before. I think what actually ends up happening is that they end up kind of pigeonholing the gospel to this thing. It's, okay, I'm a sinner. I'm separated from God. I need to be in relationship with him so that I don't perish. And usually when we hear that verse or taught about that verse, we're told that it's it's hell, right? That in order to save you from hell, Jesus died on the cross. And that is 100% true. That is true. The problem is, is that when you only have that, we fall into the trap of believing, oh, well, then all I have to do is pray this prayer one time and then I'm good. Like my soul is fine. I don't have to do any more anything else. As I prayed this prayer, I walked down to this altar and now I'm straight. And that is true, right? The Bible teaches us that if we believe uh, that we're saved by that, um, but believing, I think a lot of times people believe and they don't know what it is they believe. They don't know why Jesus had to come. They don't understand why uh, he had to die on the cross. Was it just to save me? Was it just to save you? One of the things that you hear all the time in church is if you were the only person on the face of the planet, Jesus still would have died for you. And that's great. But you're not the only person on the face of the planet. As a matter of fact, there are billions of people on the face of the planet and all of them need to know the story of Jesus. But why? So what we're going to do is we're actually going to walk through the entire Bible in this segment, and we're going to kind of break down what's in the book. But I think most people say, oh, yeah, I believe in the Bible, and I know there's good stuff in there. But then if you were to ask them, okay, can you tell me what is the Bible about? What I think a lot of people wouldn't be able to do it. So if you remember Cliff Notes from school. Yeah, you're going to get the Cliff Notes version of the Bible. That does not mean that you can't read it or you shouldn't read it for yourself. But hopefully this helps. So we start off in Genesis, right? It's the creation story. At the very beginning of time, what do we have? Uh, nothing. Yeah, there's nothing there. And so God, he creates everything, speaks everything into being, and he creates Eden, which is this perfect place in the middle of his creation. And it's in Eden that he places man and woman, and everything is great. Like everybody coexists with one another. Uh, the animals and stuff are all great. There's, you know, uh, vegetation and stuff. And the most beautiful part of this is that man and God have an intimate relationship with one another. Uh, they walk in the garden together, the Bible tells us. Um, that. Yeah. You're going to love this, but this is completely derailing the conversation. If I imagine what Eden smelled like, the water from Pirates of the Caribbean oh. in Disney. That's probably an accurate statement. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> uh, but everything, it just, it worked and operated perfectly. And then page two of the book, we all mess it up. We choose uh, our own desires over God and it sends the entire world into disarray. And this is the part where everything kind of turns around. Because, and I think we talked about this in a previous episode, if it wasn't for that decision, it feels pretty bold to say like we wouldn't have the Bible, but the majority of the Bible is the result of that decision. It is the story of what happens next. And this is so beautiful because what happens next is that God immediately puts this plan into motion to try to redeem his people and to get them back. So they are separated from God and they are seemingly doomed to be separated from God. But God loves us so much that he doesn't allow that to happen. So I'm going to read this verse really quick because I think it's one of those verses that gets read over pretty quickly in the Bible. But it's the thing that like, you know, you know what this reminds me of? You know, in Star Wars, when those movies starts and there's the like scrolling text that like sets up the main, like what's going to happen. This is what that verse reminds me of. For everyone keeping score at home, I have seen Star Wars. Well done. 
you're not the biggest pop culture aficionado. So I'm proud of you. You I got know. that reference. Uh, this is Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. So this is after the serpent, after Satan convinces Eve to sin. Uh, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And then check this out. He will strike your heel. I'm sorry. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And that right there is God giving the prophecy that Jesus is going to come and defeat Satan forever. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And so what he does is he gives this covenant with a guy named Abraham. And, you know, Father Abraham had many sons. You know, oh. sing it. Many sons had Father Abraham. We didn't get a home studio for you not to sing. I am one of them. And so are you. So, so let's, let's just praise the Lord right on Father Abraham. So now my aunt has to listen to this episode <laughs> of the podcast because I've already referenced her and her cookies and her yarn. And Aaron, I loved Father Abraham. It's a bop. It is so fun. And you can make it as long as you want because oh, you can just yeah, like can. right it's arm, like left arm. like the electric arm, slide of Baptist right, kids. Right foot, left foot, head up, head down, turn around, sit down. But we would add everything, oh, yeah. everything out, like right hip, left hip. And I would like lead it and make it as long as possible. And so like Sunday school as a kid was always, first part was like the Bible story with like the paper on the felt board. And then the second part was you can request any Sunday school song that you want to sing. And my aunt would like ignore me because I would raise my hand and she knew I was going to ask to <laughs> sing Father Abraham. And she's like, no, Morgan, we're not singing Father Abraham. Um, I love my aunt and I love Father Abraham and I love those cookies. You good? I'm just, I'm having <laughs> Your a face lit up. You, you were having a real moment. Okay, but here's the thing. You hear that song as a kid and you really, do you understand the weight of it? Do you understand the magnitude of what it was that, besides having a Christian hokey pokey, I mean, not really, right? And this is such a crucial moment because what God is doing is God is saying to Abraham, this person who uh, him and his wife cannot have children said, I'm going to give you descendants. And through that, through your descendants, I am going to let the world know that I see them, that I love them, and that there is a way that you can live that is better than what everybody else is doing. And not better in the sense of like, oh, I'm superior to you, but that God actually places his hand on the people who choose to live uh, the life that he has designed for them to live. And so this is when you get... What a lot of people consider the boring part of the Bible, right, is when you get the rule books and the laws and all this other stuff. And this wasn't God just trying to take up space. This isn't like a paper that God was writing and, you know, he just had to reach a word count. No, God gave them these rules and these things for a reason. It was to show this is how people who are under my rule and reign live. And it's so countercultural and so different to the world that is around us. And you have an option to live into that. But the Israelites, much like us, much like Adam and Eve, they decided we're going to do things our own way. And this is this is where everything falls. It's just this vicious cycle that we fall into. So what God does is he sends the prophets. The prophets come to the Israelites and they say, hey, uh, stop it. <laughs> but they don't. They keep doing all the sin and all the bad things. And so then God gives the message to the prophets to tell them, listen, y'all are going to go into exile. You're going to go into captivity to the Babylonians and the Assyrians and all this stuff. And your kingdom is going to be torn down. But don't worry, because I'm going to bring out a remnant people 
from your group that I'm going to choose to save and redeem. And it's through that remnant that Jesus is going to come and actually save the entire world. So that's the entire Old Testament. And I know that sometimes it's hard to get through, but I mean, can we be honest? Does that help at least frame a picture there a little bit? Yeah, it's definitely helpful when you have an overview before you go into trying to understand what a single scripture says, especially if you're reading like a particularly difficult translation. Or just the Old Testament in general, right? Kind of helps make the Old Testament a little bit more palatable. Yes, because you know where you're going to end up. So you can read the verses knowing this is the big picture. Um, So another resource besides just listening to you give an overview of the Old Testament. Uh, we love the Bible Project. So good. So good. Tim Mackey, if you ever want to hang out with us or... In a heartbeat. Be on our podcast. Show or me how dumb I am. Have dinner with us or just be friends. We would love to meet you. But he has created, with the help of a ton of other people, has created the Bible Project. And they release these videos that give you an overview of each book of the Bible, but then they were like, that's not enough. We're going to give you overviews of themes and just like all kinds of stuff. And today I found out that they have a podcast. Oh, they have a phenomenal podcast. Super, super good. They have all sorts of resources. They have like a free, basically seminary course online that you can take multiple courses. It's tremendous. Yeah. Highly recommend Bible Project. Be sure to go and check them out. We'll put links to them in their show notes, actually. Yes. Um, so yeah, so that's the Old Testament. And, and that's just the beginning of the story because now you end up with these people who are just waiting. They're waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen for this remnant people. And that's when you turn the page into Matthew and you get Jesus. You know this piece of information off the top of your head, I'm pretty sure. If not, pop quiz. How much time passes between the last page of the Old Testament and the first page of the New Testament? I believe it's 400 years. And then you get this... Dude that looks homeless, John the Baptist, he comes out and he starts proclaiming that Jesus is coming. And then that's when we get the four Gospels. Um, so Jesus comes and this is the part of the story that we all know, right? Jesus comes, he he teaches everybody, he does all these miracles. This is where John 3.16 is. This is where John 3.16 is, that's right. This is where the son who God so loved came to the world uh, to die on the cross to save us all from our sins, uh, to save us from the power of sin that has run rampant over the world ever since Adam and Eve first made their big decision to, you know, ruin all of eternity (laughs) or at least you know life until jesus uh and then once jesus ascends the church is set on fire not literally but also kind of literally because of the tongues of fire thing uh but the church uh takes the world by storm and then you get all these letters from these guys like paul and peter and james and basically they're just giving really these sermons these poems all these different methods of communication of telling us how do we live in light of what has just happened and that's kind of where we camp out a lot right we tend to spend a lot of time in um, in the epistles and in the letters that all these guys wrote and we make the mistake i believe of we do with paul and peter and james like their writings we do the same thing with that as the old testament israelites did with the law the Old Testament Israelites didn't see the law as a way that helped them recognize their need for God. They looked at it as a rule of a book of rules to live by. And we do the same thing if we're if we're honest, right? Yeah. We're like, oh, I need some godly advice. I need to know how to handle this specific situation. Let me go see what Paul says in Ephesians or whatever. 
But really, these are things that tell you, no, this is what your life looks like now because you have a newfound life in Christ. And so all that gets done. And then at the very end of the book, you get this weird letter from John called Revelation. And we don't talk about that part. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. But it is the it is the greatest spoiler alert of all time because it is the story of how it's ridiculous. The parallels you've seen, if you never looked into it, we don't have time to get into this in this episode. But the parallels you see between Revelation and Genesis, what you see in Genesis chapter one, when God creates the world and what you see in Eden versus Revelation chapter 22 is the is the parallel where God is again among his people. Um, we recognize him as our God and he has saved and redeemed all of humanity. Uh, and that is what we are looking forward to. That is the moment that we wait patiently for. But that's the Bible. That is the entire story. And when we try to pigeonhole the whole thing into John three sixteen, we miss. If I were to ask you, is God a part of the gospel? What would you say? Yes. If I were to ask you, is Jesus a part of the gospel? What would you say? Yes. If I were to ask you, is the Holy Spirit a part of the gospel? What would you say? Yes. Yes. Because, well, for one, all of them are God, right? So <laughs> that's a thing. But what happens is, is we kind of maximize Jesus' crucifixion and minimize everything that's been done from the beginning and everything that will be getting done until the end. And what we need to recognize is that we are a part of this plan. But if we think that all of Christianity is just about Jesus dying for me and not me living an outward life, then I think we totally missed the point. And that is how um, you can hear the gospel and not become a true disciple. So I want to be clear. John 3.16 is true. And that's like, I, I get it. Like I said earlier, it's the gospel summed up in a single verse. And so the question comes up and asks, what is, what is Jesus saving us from? And I think traditionally, a lot of people would say hell. Um, but it feels like more recently, people have been challenging that idea. How, do, how have you, what do you do with that? How do you handle that? What do you think about that? I mean, I think I've, maybe struggled in my own sense of asking, well, if God is good, why would he have created hell? Mm. Um, so there are a couple of things that come into play there, right? One you have is God's justice. Um, and is the idea that God is just and that he deals with our sin in a way that because he is holy, because he is perfect, um, sin and God cannot coexist. That is the reason why we had separation to begin with from God, because basically, I mean, to think about it this way, sin is, is anytime that we tell God, I can figure this out on my own. That's really what it is. It's, I'm, I'm going to walk away from you and I'm going to do things the way that, it, that I want to. And so I think what happens is, is that we expect, this kind of goes back to the, what do we deserve question that we asked in the episode two weeks ago. I think we expect to think, oh, well, I can do whatever I want and God will still treat me the way that I believe I deserve. When really that's not the case. I, I have become increasingly over time aware of the idea that salvation is not 
salvation is not separate from Jesus. And I think we think of it a lot of times that way. Of There's Jesus and there's salvation. And I get salvation from Jesus. Well, the Bible is very clear that salvation is found in Christ. So salvation is not this separate entity that is apart from Jesus. Salvation is a... Isn't it a unification with God? Yes. Yes. That is actually a great way to put it. Yeah. So it's a unification with God, which means I can't have salvation without God. You can't separate the two ideas. I think we get very caught up in, I need to ask for forgiveness of my sins and accept Jesus as my savior so I can get to heaven and I don't go to hell. Yeah. And we stopped looking at it as I want to be in relationship with God. Yeah, because that's what the whole thing was, right? When God created the world, we were in perfect relationship with him. And so it wasn't like, yeah, God, God, he did this. His entire plan of redemption that we see played out from beginning to end of the Bible is, is how do we get back to a place where God and man are, are in perfect relationship with one another, where man is completely infatuated with who God is, completely satisfied in who God is, because that is where home is. That's where we're supposed to be. That's where we were designed to be. I think we should ex- explicitly say, because I think actually, if you think about heaven as the unification of humans with God, mm-hmm. heaven is the unification of people with God, then my salvation, instead of thinking of it as a ticket to heaven, versus or like ticket to heaven so i don't go to hell heaven is the unification with god yeah so it's not a destination i'm trying to get to right it's the relationship with god right well so even in revelation chapter 22 at the end of the story god says that all the bible says that god will make his home among the people um, and that he makes a new heaven and new earth so the place where we actually cohabitate with God when he makes all things right is in theory it's here it's the place where he does you know what I mean like heaven was when God created heaven and Eden there was an overlap in a sense uh, but heaven was this this place where God dwelled and and, and earth was this place where humanity dwelled Uh, so there's this perfect place where those two things overlap with one another and that's what God's coming to do so it's not about him transporting us to some other place it's about him ruling and reigning in a place where he designed us to be to begin with we need to add a video element to our podcast because the amount of like pointing in the air i'm about to like fly away yeah (laughs) i'm surprised we haven't like hit our microphones yet but like we're pointing up and we're pointing down um another plug for something that i haven't finished but i've enjoyed what i have read so far is heaven by randy alcorn it is phenomenal yeah we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well yeah that is definitely because i don't think we like think about heaven enough we certainly don't think about hell enough I think for a lot of people, hell is this idea that just kind of exists in the back of their mind of like, I'm, I'm just glad I'm not going there. Mm-hmm. But we don't think enough about there are plenty of people who are destined to go there. And when I say that, that is not a Calvinistic statement. I <laughs> just want to, that's just, you know, I don't want anybody to like turn us off because they're like, oh, we don't agree theologically. Let's go back to a world where you didn't know what we thought theologically and we got along fine. Yeah, no, it's just like that there are people that, that will end up in hell one day. And it's a lot easier, and I think what makes discipleship a lot harder is that it's a lot easier for us to make that white noise. 
be like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing about hell one time, but I don't like to think about that because then if I do, then it gives me this civic duty to go and share my faith with people. I think I figured it out. You stole my note. I, I put this in the show notes and it must have been so good. Um, <laughs> but the way I like wrote it down word for word, do you let the excuse, quote, God is too nice to send people to hell, end quote, keep you from sharing the gospel? I think what happens is, is that we try to believe that God is more nice than he is holy. Mm-hmm. I'm reading through the Old Testament right now, and both Isaiah and Ezekiel have this moment where they come face to face with God in his glory, and they both wish they were dead. <laughs> it like overpowers, overwhelms them. Um, they recognize their sin in light of God's glory. And I don't think that we talk about that enough. God's grace, here's the thing, none of us are ever holy enough to be in God's presence. Isaiah was a quote-unquote good man and still felt unworthy in God's presence, right? So all of us are the exact same way. But you have to come to terms with that, and you have to understand and recognize that, and that's when we find salvation. Um, It's the moment when we realize there's no matter how good I am, all of my effort, all of my trying, nothing's ever going to make me good enough. So... Yeah, there comes this moment where you have to accept the reality that you aren't good enough and there's something that God is doing for you and there's a gift you have to accept because anything other than that is pride. And if you want to understand how how God treats pride, the Bible says, hold on, I'm going to look this verse up really quick. So 1 Peter 5, 5 says that God opposes the proud but gives great to the humble. And I don't think we pay attention to that. Like, have you heard that verse before? Yes. I think a lot of us have heard that verse before, but have never paid enough attention to the fact that God opposes the proud. It doesn't say that God is neutral towards the proud, that God is standoffish towards the proud. It says God opposes the proud, which is hard for us to understand that God is actively against those who feel like they can do it on their their own without him, and specifically those who, who sin against him intentionally. I think that's what this verse is talking about. And you know what's crazy? One of the things I'm realizing as I read through the Old Testament, especially when you look at the Israelites and their interactions with God, at no point did they ever think, oh, God, you can't be that way, or this isn't fair, or whatever. Like, when God is like, I will bless you if you do this, and I will curse you if you do this, at no point did they think that's unfair. They just understood that's the nature of God. That's just the way that he is. And I don't know where this, I would love to, like, really have a deep dive conversation with someone who, like, knows church history really well, but I would love to know where this idea crept in that at some point we thought God's too good to punish sin, or correction, God's too nice to punish sin. I don't know where that, where that idea came from. But here's the thing that I, I do, I do want us to, because we can get hung up on the idea of hell and all that stuff for way too long. I, I don't want us to miss this point, that the scariest part about hell isn't the hellfire brimstone that we hear about all the time. The part about hell that I don't want people to have to experience is separation from God. Mm. Forever. That's like an eternal separation from God. Yeah. And that's the part that should rock me, because here's the thing. We see people all the time who aren't living life in how did you say it earlier in unity with God right in union with God who aren't living life in union with God and it hurts and it's painful and it's sad to see and so here's my thing if you hate seeing that person in that moment now here on earth regardless of if there's fire or not which is where a lot of people get really caught up on 
right now, which is, that's a conversation we're not going to get into right now. Um, we do believe in the place of hell that has fire. I'm just going to say that so that, you know, people don't cancel us. Regardless of if there is fire or not, the eternal separation from God is the thing that should break our hearts. And it's the thing that should make us as disciples take Jesus's call on all of our lives seriously to not only go and tell people, but to actually show them and live it out in, 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 um, it's a, it's a D word. I can't remember the, not distribute, display. There we go. To display the glory and the goodness of God throughout the earth uh, because we have been transformed from the inside out. So you know how people will always be like, I have good news and bad news? Yes. And then uh, you ask like, do you want the good news or the bad news first? Well, I'm the type of person that I always want the bad news first. And then I want to get the good news so that I can end on the positive note. (laughs) So after 42 minutes of listening to this podcast (laughs) and us talking about hell and separation from God, we're going to end on the good news. We started with the good news because the gospel is the whole Bible. We did, but I was also going to, because good news, gospel, bring Ah, it all together. Um, That in the same way that we can have the separation and almost experience hell on earth, in the exact opposite, when we accept Jesus and we enter into this unification with God, we can experience heaven on earth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the whole thing is that Jesus came to bring that kingdom now. Like that's a phrase that we hear all the time is the kingdom of God. And I, I think a lot of times that gets translated in our head as heaven. Yes. But really what, what Jesus is saying is when he says, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven those are two separate places he's talking about but there is a unification to go back to your word earlier that he's talking about so what does it look like for us to be people in the world that live under the rule and reign of god that is what kingdom means a kingdom is a place that is under the rule or reign of a specific king so what jesus is saying is that we can actually experience that now we don't have to wait until we die or until we go to some other place. We can actually experience that uh, at least in part now. And this is the, it's the theme, the things you see all throughout the Bible, but we keep missing the point. With the Israelites, God was trying to give them that. He was saying, listen, this is the way the rest of the world works. Don't be like your unbelieving neighbors, all this stuff, right? Kind of that language from First Peter, but to the Israelites, he said, you can, I want you to live differently. And then we see the church born in in Acts. And then you see, you know, like I mentioned earlier, all the epistles that say, I want you to live differently, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All of these things that insinuate us living differently. But the sad thing is, is I feel like most Christians who just pray the prayer because they heard John 3, 16 one time, aren't living differently. They're living the same, waiting for the day they die and go to heaven. 
Yeah, and I I think it's because maybe it's the way the gospel is presented almost as a ticket. Like, oh yeah, you you had a ticket to hell, but now I've told you about the gospel. You pray the prayer, and now you have your ticket to heaven. And we we don't talk about how you can experience that right now by living in unification with God. And something else that I think we need to make clear is that just because you're living a life in unity with God doesn't mean that things are going to happen that are less than good. Like bad things can still happen in your life. And I think that is something that can cause some people to trip in their relationship with God, in their, in their walk with God, because they're told accept Jesus and everything's going to be okay. And then at the first sign of trouble, their entire faith gets rocked because they were handed a ticket to heaven and there weren't supposed to be any speed bumps or Mm. really narrow paths or those prickly branches that are going to poke them. Like you may have to walk down some of those paths, even after accepting Jesus and living in unity with God. But if you're not prepared for that, if, if you think it's just going to be like rainbows and sunshine the whole way, that's going to rock the entire foundation that you've built your faith in. Yeah. Let's look at a couple of things. Look at the, the true disciples, like the 12. Take a quick second and do a Google search and see how they all died. Uh, <laughs> that was for people listening, not for you. Uh, take a second and read the book of First Peter where he's talking to a bunch of people who have been exiled for their faith and are going through those tough times and are experiencing suffering. Peter doesn't tell them, oh, the suffering means you're doing something wrong. No, Peter actually affirms them. He says, you're suffering. You must be doing something right. And that suffering actually gives you union with Christ, that you actually have fellowship with Christ because you're both experiencing this together. Um, And yeah, I think that is, yeah. And even when we talk about the idea of heaven on earth, that same thing is translated because, and we should probably make that clear distinction. Heaven on earth is not an easy life. No, it's not money, cars, houses. It's unification with God. It is unification with God through the hard times and through the bad times. Because if we talk and about the good times, hard times and bad times are the same thing. <laughs> the good and the bad through the thick and the thin. Uh, the examples that we talked about when we were talking about experiencing hell on earth was how do you get through marriage and how do you get through these really emotional times and now let's talk about that the inverse in the inverse let's talk about marriage when i'm unified with god when i've accepted jesus and i'm in a full unified relationship with god and now i've entered into a marriage i'm gonna throw this out there because none of what you just said is possible without the holy spirit right the holy spirit is the spirit of god living inside of you that makes all of these things possible so how do i find hope how do i um figure out how to be married well how do i do all of these things right that heaven on earth that you're talking about if you don't believe that your Christian life changes who you are now while you're on this physical earth, then what do you think the Holy Spirit is? And who do you think the Holy Spirit is? Because can if, I, I think that was a rhetorical question, but can I answer it? Yeah. I feel like sometimes we approach it as like that genie in a bottle that oh, we yeah. can like go over and just like rub and be like, hey, can you grant this wish? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. If the Holy Spirit is God... I think, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack for just a second because I want to make this point clear. If you read, oh, that definition was so good because it redefines everything. If you redefine heaven as unity with God and not just some other place, 
it helps it to be easier to understand that we get to experience unity with God now because the Holy Spirit is God. So God is not just this mystic being up there somewhere waiting for us to get to him. No, the beauty of the gospel is that that God, the spirit of God lives inside of us. And so that can you have any more union with God than him living inside of you? No, that is what the Holy Spirit is. And so when you live from the overflow of the Holy Spirit, when you live out of a place of walking by being led by the spirit, then you're experiencing heaven on earth. And can we talk about the the tough stuff? Let's talk about where the the Spirit of God, where the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Not my will, but your will be done. Guess where that led Jesus? To the cross. I saw something on Facebook the other day. One of our volunteers in in middle school ministry shared it. And they uh, they said, we always talk about wanting to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But think about what happened to the hands and feet of Jesus. And attached to it was there was a picture of the nails that hung Jesus to the cross. But we think everything's going to be easy. And we think that we don't need discipleship and that we don't need community and that we don't need accountability in all the things we've talked about in the previous eight episodes. That's what the gospel is. It is something that transforms you from the inside out and not just you, but actually the people around you. So let's take two minutes. Two minutes. How does the gospel in your life affect the people outside and around you? I just want to say everybody that's like 50 minutes into the episode probably just groaned because you said two more minutes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a preacher. so <laughs> <laughs> Don't show me that clock. I, I got the clock right here. Two minutes. We have go. I'm sorry. I made a joke and I missed your question. No, you're fine. Two minutes right now. How does having the gospel inside of you change the life of those around you? How does having unity with God change the life of the people around you i think there's no way to ignore a person who is living in unity with god i think there's just an overflow in that person of joy and patience and peace and all the other fruit of the spirit like you can't not see somebody who's truly and i want to underline truly living in unity with god I think we can say, well, I accepted Jesus and, and people will see that I, I believe in God and that, that'll be my testimony is just I'll live different and people will be able to see that I live a little bit differently. But maybe you don't live quite differently enough. Um, your light doesn't shine that bright because you're pulling from your capability. Yeah. And you're trying to look at the rules and follow the rules and radiate God through following a set of rules, which yeah. we talked about the Israelites doing and getting caught up in the law and following all of that and not leaning into the spirit and like we were saying, living from that overflow. And I think when you live from that overflow, you exude joy that like can't be found anywhere else on earth because it's, it's God's joy and it's God's peace and it's God's kindness and gentleness. And I think that's when people can see through you the gospel. I'm going to really quick to close out this episode. I'm going to close it out with this line right here. It's a lyric from the song, Build My Life. Show me who you are 
Fill me with your heart. Lead me in your love to those around me. This episode may never end, but I don't want it to end. It's the longest two minutes ever. We lied. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't want it to end without uh, reading this quote from John Mark Comer, who may have summed up this entire episode in a single quote. Sorry that you listened to the past 50 minutes and you could have just listened to this quote, but here it is. It's not about you getting into heaven, but about getting heaven into you. It's not about going up there, but heaven coming down here. It's not a transaction, it's a transformation. Not just what God can do for us, but in us. So we're going to close this episode out with this question. We're just going to end it right here. I want you, whoever's listening, wherever you're listening, to ask yourself, how does being filled with the truth of the gospel and being filled with the presence of God and having union with God, how does that transform the life of other people around you? This has been episode nine of the True Discipleship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will continue our series on the gospel in two weeks.